You're listening to 17 Karat K-Pop. For more about this show, as well as my other podcast, How to Stand, visit 17karatkpop.weebly.com. There you'll find episode guides, as well as additional reading, more exclusive content, tons of great stuff. And never miss an update, an album review, interview, etc. by subscribing to the free newsletter, howtostand.substack.com. You could also become a paying subscriber on Substack, and that means you're supporting an independent creator and become part of a community, howtostand.substack.com. Enjoy the show! Hi everybody, welcome back to 17 Karat K-Pop. Really excited because it's been since 2020 when we did a TXT music video universe breakdown, so lots to catch up on. I wanted to release this on Minisode 2 day, so then I hope later in the week to release my actual Minisode 2 deep dive. But until then, here's your prep guide, a crash course reminder of the themes, symbols, theories, etc. All things TXT world. Without further ado, let's get into it. Before TXT officially, officially debuted, they had some teaser videos introducing us to them one by one. Then we got to see all of them interacting with each other, just goofing off, freestyle dancing together. Please remember this for later. The dancing and the in those early videos, a voice says run. Those details just feel extra meaningful in hindsight. You'll see. They debuted with Crown in early 2019 for the Dream Chapter 1 star. The previous Morse code messages for their character intro videos had formed Morse code for Dreaming, and the song Crown now starts off with Morse code Crown. So right away, they're establishing the premise of a special code, a special form of communicating their messages that not everyone will decipher. Not everyone will understand you, but those who get it are who matter. The music video for Nap of a Star is basically a whole short film, actually probably close to the length of the actual movie it was based on, A Trip to the Moon, a French short film that's actually thought to be like the first sci-fi movie ever made. I talked about this in an episode of Fade to Blackpink, my series of videos about K-pop movie references. It's a delightfully quirky short film. Honestly, it's grown on me over time thinking about it. It's really short, very old, from 1902, the special effects are so accidentally funny because they are from 1902, so it just looks corny and funny and very theatrical and over the top. And that isn't just a relic of the time, but also actually the director intentionally made that editorial decision to make his work look kind of odd and unnatural and unrealistic. The theatrical performative aspect of his scenes was intentional. So if you want to read deeper into it, the performative aspect of who you are in highlighting that it is just a performance, that's part of TXT's story too. So the inspiration makes sense, but anyway. A Trip to the Moon movie follows the story of a spacecraft and a group of astronomy club members riding it to the moon for a casual field trip. When there, these insect alien people try to attack them, but they attack them first, there's a whole battle. They go to this king and it looks like they're caught, will be sacrificed to him, only to kill him later. Anyway, a ship arrives and rescues them after they crash back into Earth and into the ocean. That actually seems like a weird TXT parallel, unintentionally because they actually have several references over time to shipwrecks and ocean waves in their work, so you never know. Could be coincidence, but whatever. 
More than anything, though, the Nap of a Star short film took inspiration for the aesthetics. The whole theatrical look of A Trip to the Moon. Not plot as much, but aesthetics. There are a couple of chapters basically telling the story of getting lost in the woods, reunited with friends, but there's still this creature lurking in the background that is ominous. The next dream chapter, Magic, featured the single Runaway, also titled Night and Three Quarters, which is an overt Harry Potter reference. There are a lot of moments in there that actually remind me of Harry Potter. The trap door, the carving in the textbook just made me think of the I must not tell lies situation, if you know you know. Symbolically, later on in the video, you see this flaming door a door on fire, and then they just sit down and gather on the grass to watch it go up in flames. Bumgyu, the one who was actually the one carving into his textbook earlier, peels off a band-aid and sees his visible wound is healed fully. You could never tell he had a cut there. Yet, what they're doing is observing destruction, but then he's healed. So the symbolic contrast is evident. Four of them leave the scene at the end, but Yeonjun decides to stay behind and picks up what he saw left on the ground, a stuffed toy. The multi-part music video for Magic Island has a self-explanatory theme, and it shows the members kind of entering this magical alternate world, like they went through platform nine and three quarters, because this is where literal magic happens. They have left the muggle world. They are traveling on just a physically impossibly fast train, a lot of symbolic split-second images flash before their eyes. Then they end up at this destination, which is a purple flower-filled forest. One of them lights a match and starts a fire, ends up getting cut in the process, and then later on, a wall of flame surrounds them. Once the flames die out, they all are still lying there, surrounded by the flowers, unharmed. So they patiently waited for a flame to die out. So it's interesting how maybe Magic Island is meant to be taken as like a prelude because he's getting the cut here versus before it had healed. Or you could look at it as before there was no cut, he just preemptively had the band-aid sensing danger in the future. Different ways to read into it, but definitely connected videos. Yet more fire symbolism in the final dream chapter, Eternity, where pages of a scrapbook go up in flames. The doorway is once again a focal point in Puma. There's the glowing light behind it and no one can get to it. They're literally in chains. Some are stuck behind glass or by arrows that just miss them on top of a cliff in stages of peril away from this salvation. The evil creature is back in eternity. There's a really emotional, notable scene in this film where he sees a little boy who ran away from this carnival ride and then just runs away from him. And then the next phrase is, quote, please stop this recurring nightmare. So every night he's thinking of who may represent himself as a little kid, getting trapped in this evil situation, this evil carnival. There's a similar dissociation happening that kind of frightens him in part three of the video, where Bumgyu sees a cut-up, bloodied version of himself at the bottom of a ditch, presumably himself. The glowing eyes, this creature in the shadows, is back lurking. Later on, Taehyun is in a purple flower field again, this time seeing Bumgyu there, looking unconscious. Another surreal moment of feeling trapped in a state of limbo, maybe reliving past memories. Hyunin Kai walks up a staircase 
opens the door and sees he's up in the clouds. It was a stairway to nothing. With another door directly across from him, behind that floating door are the other members. After all this weirdness trips through their different psyches, they go back to dance practice like this never happened. One member looks down and sees the magical die is in his hands, like he'd rolled the dice and those were the corners of their psyche they had to revisit as a result. Now, if his ownership of the die gives him comfort, a sense of control over what memories they visit next, or dread at that responsibility or the sense of obligation to go back to the past again in the first place, another area up to interpretation. But the key parts about the end are that they have the die and they assume nothing happened. They're just acting like time never stopped. They never revisited scary memories, concerning memories. They just try to carry on and ignore it. Minisode 1, Blue Hour, came out in 2020 and takes place in this cute carousel in the sky. And then they're dancing in a field together. Really cute stuff. Very idyllic. Also full of sweet moments of just friendship and goofing off. A very Snow White-esque moment when bluebirds come down, drop a jacket and hat down to Hunankaida wear. But all the joy goes away as the lights go out. The carnival becomes this disturbing dream once again. Subin's book is left on the ground. As they walk away, they step on a book. So another room for interpretation is that the book is what took them on those mental adventures to the past. That they had just been daydreaming as they read. Or it could be that book is who they are. Their characters in Nap of a Star and other short films were just the characters they were reading about in the book. So maybe they're simultaneously playing themselves and characters within the books within the music videos. Another way to look at it. 2021, that big angst pivot in their sound. The dream chapters concluded very inconclusively, and we've entered the chaos chapters. The chaos chapter Freeze came first, with an intro video showing their world is frozen over and is stuck in time. Then came the repackage, the chaos chapter Fight or Escape, where now they have to decide what to do about this frozen time. Do they fight it? Do they try to melt it? Do they try to evade its grasp, its impact on their decisions, on how they live life? And they feel like they have to choose, accept it, or get rid of it. It's very black and white. And black and white thinking, you'll see in these lyrics, dominates their songs and their frustrations. Seeing the world as a bunch of binary choices, and if they screw up, that's it for them. They either make a choice that is 100% wrong or right. For the two big title tracks of the cast chapters, Love Song and then Loser Equals Lover, they leaned into cinematic influences we talked about on that Fade to Black Pink series of episodes. In the love song, there is a brief nod to a Hong Kong drama from 1990, Days of Being Wild, thematically appropriate. Quick reminder, Days of Being Wild is about this guy whose relationship with his mom is really tense because he finds out he's adopted, feels kind of betrayed. He's also always worried about his mom being taken advantage of by different men. He eventually sets out to find his birth mom, taking him on a trip to the Philippines. He does find the place, but she won't let him in, and they don't meet. 
So the movie touches on themes like a sense of powerlessness. What do you do? How do you convince someone to like you? Or how do you forge a relationship? How do you make peace with your past? How do you cherish your time with those around you? How do you treat them? Things like that. There's also kind of a subplot with this guy who wants to become a sailor, but is just a cop. He can't leave to become a sailor. He's taking care of his aging mom. It's a long story, but the point is he does become a sailor eventually and actually kind of becomes the rescuer of the main character once he's knocked unconscious. Definitely, though, eventually doesn't save the day but tried to. There's just a lot of commentary film scholars make about this policeman character who always wanted to be a sailor instead, and when he finally could, his opportunities were cut short. He could only fulfill that dream if he sacrificed other things. It's a long story. I'm not explaining it well. But the point is, this is a story about, at its core, growing up and those days of being wild. The main character always says he's like a bird without wings, or a bird who can fly but can't land. So he has wings but not legs. An incomplete bird. It's a lonely way to live. Kind of a lonely at the top thing. The homage comes in when Yeonjun does this solo dance in the love song Bridge, when it gets all quiet and he kind of shimmies out of the room. That solo dance is basically an imitation of the solo mirror dance the main character does in Days of Being Wild. To me, my interpretation is that the scenes in the bedroom where you see the big fish and stuff, kind of like the blue orangeade fish from a previous video, that stuff is kind of their imagination. So Yeonjun was dancing for his friends, but they aren't real. He's dancing for his bandmates in that scene. He's really just, it's in his head that he is entertaining friends in his life. That's imaginary, and then I think the outdoor scenes are what's really happening. And there's further commentary you could read into with that, because that's when they accidentally set the car on fire, go on quite the road trip adventure. The surreal level of wild events they experience in the real world actually makes what happens in the dreams, the daydreams, pale in comparison, which is the opposite of what you'd expect. You'd expect real life to be duller than your daydreams, not here. The cast chapters have really focused on this theme of the world is ending. Very Gen Z angst, very authentic, freak out mode because of the world we live in. The turbulent times we have to grow up in. I guess you could say I'm on the cusp of being a millennial instead, so if you want to nitpick, maybe I don't relate as much as you want me to, but anyway. I feel like Gen Z some days, a younger millennial others. The point is, I get how growing up right now is scary and weird and can relate to their music as a result. And the song does a really interesting job showing those stakes because growing up now, The future seems so scary and unpredictable, and they really find a poetic way to stress those stakes. With lyrics like, I'm a loser in this game, the only rule of this world, save me. Take my hand, please use me like a drug. Their overall message is just, hey, please use me, and please validate my experiences, my feelings, my place in the world, because everything around me I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but one thing I can take comfort in knowing, for sure, is that I love you. And this unfreezing of the world, kind of cinematically, may be being undone by this relationship. Quote, the hole in my soul begins to mend, frigid air starts to thaw. In this world of zero, I found warmth. That's you. Take all of me. 
nature of this relationship is not just rainbows and butterflies, but has a concerning side too of desperate need for reassurance from someone other than yourself that everything will be okay. The self-love isn't there. One of the members wears this cast that says loser on it, but it's crossed out. The V replaces the S, so now it looks like lover. This is a nod to what happens in the movie It, when a character's made fun of and someone replaces the loser someone wrote on his cast with a lover. This cast seems to be what's being referenced in Loser Equals Lover. Quote, I'm running away beyond this effed up world, my hand clutching yours, it's all banged up, it doesn't matter when I'm with you. They continue to sing about wanting to just run and not look back. This world is a mess, let's mentally go somewhere else. The other message in the song is about lover with a dollar sign is a loser. Loser is spelled with a dollar sign instead of an S, and lover is spelled with a heart. Again, this black and white thinking of a dichotomy, loser or lover, focused on money or not. You gotta pick one or the other, yet at the same time they can't let go of being a loser, a self-proclaimed loser, because they say I'm a loser and they say I'm a lover at different parts of the chorus. So it's like they're saying, hey, hello me, pick a choice, pick something, money or love. And maybe what really is happening is that they are learning how to debunk that false choice between money and love, between technical, material, and emotional needs. And they're realizing their mind is playing tricks on them, telling them, hey, pick one or the other, and then proudly shouting out both titles, I'm a loser and I'm a lover, is their way of saying, actually, I can be both and still thaw this frozen world, still save it and salvage it. I don't need this worthiness test to get the world to thaw as a result of my actions. That's my read of it. This radical acceptance of life being so imperfect I found was described in a really impressive way in the third verse. Quote, Wings spread and broken, flying to eternity, but I can't help falling. Even with you, falling is beautiful. I gladly sink. Just hope we can embrace by the end of my clumsy flight. I don't care if everyone laughs. I want to sink into your ocean. Unquote. There's a lot there. The reference to flying and hoping you land safely. That falling will be beautiful, as they say, because they really want to fall and land back on Earth with you. Just like that character in Days of Being Wild wanted to stop being a bird with wings but no legs to land. And then another ocean reference. There are some really thought-provoking lyrics on the B-sides as well. Ice Cream has some interesting lyrics about wanting it to be happiness all around you for everyone. But if it can't be, then no one can be happy kind of Joker-esque, where they feel so angry and vengeful because they want to be something that pleases everyone, but that melts away. On Frost, they continue to complain, quote, Spring's here, but warmth is nowhere to be found. Gone without a trace, the pulsing starlight, which seems to reference the star theme of their first era. They reference in the pre-chorus being in chaos, like it's a place where they feel like they've lost their mind, really, really, really lost it, and are very confused. Here's a very poetic line from Frost. Quote, Reach the end, no sign in sight. Only freezing wind to greet me. Somber flower in lightless ice. Fateful shipwreck, suspended time within it. Later on, quote, On dream island, only chaos exists. I run, but sink deeper into dread. Meaning frozen before the name. Am I ready for this? 
I find it really interesting that multiple times they use food metaphors. In other words, metaphors about what sustains people and keeps them alive. Because in ice cream, they use the analogy of wanting to be the source of feeling full and satisfied for you, but melting away. And on anti-romantic, they complain that romance isn't worth it, comparing it to, quote, sweet and bitter chocolate. The ending taste is always the same, like saddest movies. Some songs with similar titles, I see some really interesting parallels between. Puma, and there's the song, What If I Had Been That Puma. Skipping around a bit, here are Puma lyrics. Quote, didn't know where to go. Tonight we ride. The silence of this night. The door in the darkness is opened. Who blocked anyone? No one. For some reason, I'm glad. My choice is my leader. I am my believer. After leaving the zoo, the world we faced is so strange. No one welcomes me. The same steps every day save me. Thousands of eyes access the internet. Be careful. Your enemy spreads in no time. How long does it take to reach my dream? In that question, only gunshots spread every time. In what if I had been that puma? Quote, looking out the door over there, there is a sense of freedom. Run away. Choose either a believer or a savior. Whatever the result is, I don't care. I just want to skip it. I'm at the crossroad. My choice will become a reality, but I'm not sure. I'll leave it up to luck. Falling into a dilemma, I fall again. I can't live low-key like this. My head is already overloaded. Pick your answer, A or B. It's a balance game with a puma. One tricky palette of choices from which I don't know my color. A series of worries. There's dark in the end. I need you to tell me if you feel the same. That last line of desperation there, I need you to tell me this feeling is valid, really brings back to mind the use me like a drug lyric. This desperation to feel less alone in this world, they compare themselves to zoo animals. They feel that out of place. So in both songs, they have this sense of what choice do I make and being paralyzed with fear about which one to take because that's the end of the world if you pick the wrong answer. What if I had been that puma is more speculation. What if I had made the wrong choice? Whereas the song puma is like, hey, it doesn't matter. Whatever choice I chose, it turned out okay for me. I know my enemies. I know how to handle this. I know how to cope. I trust my gut. I trust instinct. It'll be fine. The consequences are not so dire. Very interesting contrast. There's a similar interesting thematic contrast with no rules and new rules. In no rules, quote, left foot or right foot first? Is it AM or PM right now? I'm confused because of all the broken patterns. Don't know what's right. I don't get it. My world is panic. I just want to dance. Oh my, it's a big mess. The alarm rings whenever it's time to sleep. Why the hell does it exist? Can I please go back to where I was before, where there are no rules? In the game that's a diamond, reality is the bottom. In new rules, quote, if it's left foot, right foot, then right foot, left foot, I don't know why that is. Everything of this world is about good and evil. The default message tone, I'm so sick of it. Even though I know I'll be punished, I want something more exciting. If it chooses to cross the line, I want it. If you want me not to do it, I do it. My life is trapped beyond the lines. So in No Rules, they sing about everything feels like a mess. Everything's discombobulated. I don't know the right answer, and I feel like I need to figure it out now. Because I'm not back in that world of childhood where there were no rules. 
And I think they're speaking relatively about, hey, when you're a kid and you mess up, parents or guardians can fix it for you, or at least be more forgiving of your mistakes because you're just a kid, you're still learning. But once you're an adult, you're expected to have learned everything, basically. That's what it feels like by comparison. And this kid versus adult binary is, again, what they have trouble with. They want to live in shades of gray. They want to keep growing and learning and becoming an adult, not feel like one ends when the other begins, adulthood and learning. So the song New Rules is like their counter-argument, saying my life is beyond the rules that I'm supposed to follow now. I've decided not to think about that. And so what if it makes me a troublemaker, a punk person? Fine, I'll be a rule breaker then. There's also a line in here about grabbing the handles. I wonder if that's a reference to the train they rode that subway car into a magical different universe while holding onto those handles. You never know. They continue to indulge their inner child on the super sweet Moa Diary, a special thank you fan song with lyrics like, so what if it's childish, whisper our spell, remember our code, which ties this all together bringing us back to the Morse code, the way they introduce themselves. You know when you're really little and you kind of make up a gibberish language for fun? That's normal, right? <laughs> for kids to do, or you just or you just speak in pig Latin or something. You just decide to be weird with language as you grow up, and you kind of like writing or talking in code with your close friends. That's kind of what their message is about. The emotions tied to doing that. That sense of being a part of and included in something special to a few people that may mean nothing to the outside world, but is so meaningful to this group of people, your circle. Finding meaning in being together tomorrow. Truly some of my favorite TXT lyrics ever are in the song Force. This is just so powerful, so please let this sink in. Quote, our tomorrow is a light we have yet to see. There will be times when we get frustrated, but let's escape from this labyrinth. Higher we can fly, before the day comes when I eventually lose sight of it. Our tomorrow is the light we have yet to see. That to me is so remarkable, that sense of the best is yet to come. Their powerful realizations, the world not being in black and white, and how everything can work out okay in the end, or maybe not rosy in the end, but not fully bad, if it feels terrible, that doesn't mean everything is terrible. If you feel good, that doesn't mean everything is good. So honoring your gratitude and your struggles simultaneously, living in that messiness where you hold space for all those emotions, that's what their song Everlasting Shine is about. Quote, however many times we need to, let's turn tears into hope. Our rainbow-colored days will advance forward. There's no clear distinction between angels and devils. The world is full of contradictions. Navigating the city's waves, finding fault, pretending we're not broken. Just doing these things makes us tired. What if we go out on a journey to find ourselves? If we do that, I'm sure life will be good. Don't lose. Those scars of yours are precious. Let's turn these tears into hope really powerful lyrics about overcoming trials and tribulations and not feeling that need again to put on an act, to just act like everything's fine, pretend you're not broken as they put it. Which ties this all back to a trip to the moon and the performative aspect of putting on airs really and them learning not to and not seeing the need to do that. I looked back at the theories I proposed back in that 2020 TXT episode and I have to say quite a few of them held up. 
First of all, I said key things to remember would include sending messages through their outfits and accessories. And if you consider a cast an accessory, then we did get a continuation of that, as well as in the End of the Effing World t-shirt. I also said a continuous theme of theirs is contemplating how much is up to fate versus how much control we really have over what happens to us. I also said they would talk a lot about youth, vulnerability, being okay with crying, and I said remnants of youth would continue to be impactful. Now, I don't know about how much of that will stay a part of the story. As of recording time, that teddy bear hasn't made an appearance in quite a while, but you never know. They do continue to reference, like in Moa Diary, being okay with childish things, so maybe over time that is still there, but represented more lyrically rather than in material things. I also said the magic would continue, and they do have that die symbol. They have the sawn magic now. They continue to contemplate dream worlds of sorts. I theorize that they are the characters BTS sing about, the ones who learn how to distinguish between the reality and dream world. The BTS members are still wondering where the line is. TXT members, their story is more about living in that line, that in-between state, between dream and reality, between good and bad. BTS members focus on confronting the extreme parallels more. TXT is about reveling in the shades of gray. That's why I see the key thematic difference, if you really read into their work. That theory, I think, held up still. I think it's still true, but we'll see. And I theorized TXT's big source of inspo, Something Wicked This Way Comes. A story about an evil carnival that comes to town. A very sinister carnival, which spins around and can change how old you are, age you backwards or forwards. In that story, the young boys see their teacher turn into a little kid, which made me think of the TXT scene where he sees a little kid, presumably a version of himself. There's also a mirror maze referenced in TXT's music, and the mirror maze is a key scene in the book. In TXT's world, they talk about that blue hour, a magical time of day, and time carries a special meaning in something wicked with what they call the soul's midnight. But that timing of some new thing happening every day is meaningful to the characters. Something wicked was intentionally set in October to symbolize the changing of seasons, the getting older, a symbolic time of year. That is a theme of TXT's work as well. And they both shared the theme of trying to understand how much of fate they control versus don't. They use the carousel analogy to talk about aging as a way to get at that question. The character in Some Sinister Impulses also allude to how thin that line between black and white, good and evil, right and wrong, in this world can truly be. Lastly, the boys end up in Something Wicked, laughing and dancing, playing together in a field, and unleashing this kind of ominous laughter, just in context, because a lot of, um, Schmidt went down. A lot of dark stuff happened, but they're kind of laughing at the end anyway. Quite a symbolic scene to read into, about how unleashing that carefree inner child, that kid from the days of no rules, where you could just behave however you want, and you were more forgiven for not acting appropriate for a situation. They use that extreme example in the book to get at that theme of your inner child and reconnecting with it, being a fitting happy ending, helping make peace with the situation, being a good goal to have. And it reminded me of the field dancing scenes in Blue Hour. What rejuvenates them is those moments of just childlike fun goofing off together. 
That evil laughter moment also came to me when I was listening to Frost for the first time. Just saying. And they went to visit that fortune teller person. Also, like, the carnival analogy. Anyway, I'm very confident in my theory that this book inspired them. Not confirmed all my theory, but I'm just saying. Let's look at thematic and symbol repetition here. From throughout their discography, now taking into account everything up until this recording time. They reference darkness and the depths of that darkness and a contrast with rainbows, light, a lot. In Cat and Dog, they talk about crossing the rainbow bridge. In Can't We Just Leave the Monster Alive, they talk about the maze of darkness. They talk about a fire burning. They talk about the descent of darkness. They reference the deepest abyss, endless darkness, bottomless pit, sinking alone, in I Know I Love You, endless emptiness, in Dear Sputnik, worrying about only black suit will remain after a relationship, in Anti-Romantic, the door in the darkness, you get the point. They reference this world of ice countless times, or springtime, hoping spring comes. They constantly reference wings flying, dreams, daydreaming, manifesting this special eternity together. They also reference the opposite a lot. The world in ruins, pitch black to you. They reference hands a lot, like reaching out to hold someone's hand and do something with them. Take my hand in a love song. My hand clutching yours in a loser equals lover, a single warm frozen hand, and then later, if I hold hands with you, my wounds become bright in Dear Sputnik, take my hand in Moa Diary, searching for the thread at my fingertips in Ito, etc. They reference the word fate a lot. They talk about the solar system, feeling like they're very small and want to find a way to show to themselves they have a meaningful space in the galaxy. They're not just some inconsequential dot here. That's why they reference stars orbiting around each other, swimming in space. A lot of lyrics about that black and white contrast. Really a great way to get into the psyche of young people today. Lyrics like, you become a hero and I'm a monster now. All or nothing, I want all of you. Pick your answer, A or B. Everything of this world is about good and evil. But then the everlasting shine, again, is the song that really sums it up by saying, hey, I realize the world is full of contradictions in complex humans that could never fit one extreme or the other. That those labels are not worth investing our time and energy in. They reference tears a lot and being okay with crying. In eternity, I always tear up after waking up from a familiar dream. In Loser Equals Lover, time to say goodbye to tears. Anti-romantic, on my eyes, only tears I know. Everlasting shine, turn these tears into hope. They reference running away a lot. This place where we ran away, everything runs far away, I'm running away. I say run, goodbye to tears, run. I want to run far away. A sense of freedom, run away. I have to run, the blood that makes me run. And this brings me back to what I told you to remember from their first intro video. There is a voice that says run. That was one of the first main key symbols in their whole music video universe. And they're trying to figure out what they're running away to. Those are notable details about the lyrics, looking at patterns. Now let's look at contrasts that are kind of the same, like different pre-choruses in the same song. So in I Know I Love You, they change up the pre-chorus from this bottomless pit, you're the only shining gold. Then they say, in this world of ice, you're the only shining glow. 
They start by saying, Angel one day appeared to me. Then later they say, Angel who somehow appeared to me. So as it goes from talking about gold versus just a shining glow, they become over time in the song more amazed and in wonder and awe over how you appeared. Not just, oh, you appeared like gold, like this material thing, I understand. But no, this is like you're some sort of ethereal glow that somehow appeared to me. They have more surprise and intrigue as the song progresses. They also have an interesting post-chorus contrast, going from saying, all or nothing, I want all of you, to all or nothing, I give all of you. Almost like a take back. Like, no, don't give me all of you. Keep some for yourself to love. In Loser Equals Lover, they change the pre-chorus from, if I can't have it, I effing keep it low, to refuse, then I effing take it all. Big change, meekly saying, I'll keep it on the low and hang my head in shame, to I'm taking it all, like a winner's take all mentality, even if I'm losing. What if I had been that Puma pre-choruses, change from, I just want to skip it, to, I don't know, just skip it. So instead of just saying, I don't care, let's skip the journey, I want to figure out what the destination is, what my answer is, to saying, just do it. Just do it for me. The boldness as the song progresses is interesting. In the Moa Diary refrain, they go from saying memorize the spell to trapped in a spell. That's an interesting flip from something less ominous sounding to something darker. A dark tint to something that should be just plain magical. But again, they're embracing the gray. Overall, whether you want to focus on visual or lyrical symbolism, messaging, the bottom line is TXT story has evolved into trying to figure out not just who they are, but who they want to be with, who they feel complete with, and then interrogating, asking themselves why they need those other people to be complete. Basically, how they get out of this frozen-in-time world is based on figuring that out. Now this cast chapter is kind of closed, and the next chapter we actually don't know, because next up is another mini-sode, which is kind of an aside. Minisode 1 was Blue Hour, so we're going back to that theme of the inner child coming out. Actually, now it's called Thursday's Child, so we're back to talking about that. So if time is still frozen, that's a discussion for another day for the next chapter series of albums. But we're detouring for another minisode, and the comparing and contrasting the minisode storyline to the rest of this is always interesting. So I will keep you posted on that story as it develops. Thank you guys so much for listening. Bye, everybody.